Welcome to the Interviews Podcast. Welcome, Interisti, to episode 17 of the Interviews Podcast. We are here to recap the Coppa Italia semifinal second leg, which finished 1-0 to the hosts, Inter, with a goal by Federico Di Marco in the 15th minute at the San Siro. Johnny, how are you feeling? I mean, you know, watching that game, I feel like... I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I feel like that was the easiest game we've had all season. Yeah. I was not worried about a thing. Nothing Juve did seemed threatening. It felt like they looked at that game as a training match because, my goodness, the errors that... The way Bremer was getting cooked... <sighs> yeah. No, I'm... Uh, I'm just happy, you know. I I was a little nervous. I'm sure a lot of us were were a little nervous. I know how we do we do do well in cup ties, but it just felt like it was way easier than normal. Yeah, I actually I wrote down in my full time notes: Were Juve even trying to win this game? Like it it literally felt like they showed up. And again, like it's hard to tell whether that is entirely Inter's doing or, you know, they they looked terrible. Like Juve did not create any chances. Um, and Inter looked very professional. Like there was a lot to really, really like about this performance. But again, um, you know, this was one of those games where you're not at the edge of your seat nervous throughout the entirety of the time because it was just it felt like we were so in control and that there was no opportunity for get, for them to get back in the game. I mean, you know, what, what were their chances, right? Like Onana seemed very comfortable on everything that was thrown at him today. And it was, uh, I mean, it's exciting, man. We're in the Coppa Italia final two years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first time in a de- over a decade, I mean, obviously, yeah, we, we know we were there with Mourinho and, and, uh, Leonardo, but, um, yeah, to, to get back now. And, you know, outside of really the, the costed shot from outside the box in the first half, Onana had nothing to worry about. And, I mean, again, it's another game where I feel like if I wish we would have finished our chances because, in my opinion, we should have won that game 3-4-0. Um, I mean, listen, a win's a win. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, but, you know, I mean, nothing to worry about. I, I see the UA fans having a mental breakdown on uh, on Twitter, which is always nice to watch. And, and the the blame game that goes around, and you know the Allegri haters and the Allegri stands, and I mean, for some reason, for some reason, and it doesn't make sense to me because I'm obviously not the biggest Simon in Zigzag fan, but um, he's got Allegri's number, and he does really well in the cup games. And like, I mean, I, I joked before, if there was a way that we can have somebody else manage the team during the season, and he just handles all the cup games, I, I'd be fine with that. But Hey, I'm glad we got the win. But like you said, we're in the final, and uh, I don't care who we play. I I think we're gonna beat them. So, what was the level of um, I guess importance that you would have that you put on this game prior to going into it, right? Because it kind of felt like it, there's no doubt about it that Serie A and the Champions League are at the top of everyone's mind right now. But when you look at like realistically 
what is the competition that we're most likely to come home with. I think Coppa Italia was always that, right? So you never, like, you don't want to lean on having a consolation prize, but silverware is silverware, right? What what was your feeling coming into this match? Did you feel like this is a must win or is it a competition that given that there's only one game left in it, that you would be okay having lost then, you know, okay, let's, let's focus on the other competitions. I mean, trophies are always nice, right? I know I, I get it. I, I mean, I think when I'm angry, I'll say things that I don't really mean. Um, you know, I know I said, I don't really care if we win or we lose, but beating Juve is always nice. And of course, if we can add another trophy to the cabinet, it's always a good thing. Um, plus it is revenue, even though it's, you know, not much, but it'll be more money for the club and given our situation and, and how things are looking in the league, uh, any more money will be helpful. So I probably put this game at a seven out of 10, if I had to really give like a, a numerical value to it, just because. I wanted to win just for Lukaku. I wanted to win because it's Juve. But if we did lose and and they won a, a Coppa Italia, I mean, the prize really is is getting to to a Champions League final. That's really the goal, I think now. Um, and it's a believable and achievable dream for us. So, listen, it's always nice, and I'm happy we're there. Um, but the 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 mission's not complete yet. So I'm hoping that we can actually you know go ahead and 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 take this momentum because what is this three wins in a row now that's that's huge for us and then you know if we could take this and bring it into uh the league and bring it into our semi-final matchup which i mean that's in a couple weeks um i'm happy and then hopefully you know we can just you know keep riding this high it feels like the the team is finally united you know for the first time in, in what feels like a long time so there's two things you said there that um were you know coming into the game why i was so hyped about it 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 wasn't necessarily the coppa italia it was two things one the momentum which is so real right you saw it with our our cold streak with every passing result that we weren't bringing home points we weren't bringing home um you know victories that snowballed like that was negative momentum when on the flip side you're talking about three straight results that go in our favor, that's got to give us confidence going into uh, the game against Lazio at San Siro on Sunday. Um, so that was one factor. And the other factor is this is our fourth meeting against Juventus this year. To walk away from four chances with no victories against Juve would have really, really crushed my like fan ego, right? Like not... You know, Juventus can walk away from the season with absolutely nothing, but the fans would be all over us all summer stay, saying, like, you know, you, you couldn't beat us once last year, which I just, that's more of the ego in me um, that didn't want to let that happen. So I'm really happy the guys dominated, and they really did show what a shame it would be if Juventus was to get into the Champions League ne- next year over uh, Inter. Like, we are the we are the better team. We are the better team. There was no doubt in my mind. No one watching that game would say, okay, Juventus is, oh, they were just having an off game. I mean, we were completely and totally dominant and the much better team. Yeah, like it's not even a question. I mean, I feel like we've been the better team all season. In, in, in all honesty, I don't really – I don't think that they have the talent talent that we have. Have we played up to our potential? No. 
but I don't think that they have what we have available at their disposal. That being said, I also think that Allegri does get a lot out of the lack of talent that he has. You know, people complain about it. What is he supposed to do when he has this roster? Like, can you imagine having to start a midfield that they have with, you know, Locatelli and and Fagioli and and Miretti? I don't think those kids are ready. Yes, they have moments of brilliance, but, you know, if, if you want to play a conservative style, I don't think they're really ready for it. You know, I mean, do I think there's potential? Absolutely. But I like, I'll take our midfield, of course, over theirs any day because we, I think we, not only do we have the experience, but I also think that we have the quality that is a, a little bit of a notch above. Defensively, there is nobody. I mean, even though, even though I'll say I, I would have wanted Bremer, but this is the second time I've seen him go against us where he looks like he has lapses in focus. And, you know, the way he allowed DiMarco to kind of slip by him from behind and then kind of come in the middle and then let him get loose to score the goal. You know, I mean, I saw some Juventini trying to blame Bonucci for that. Bremer was the one closest, if you watch it, in my opinion. And he got... And then on the goal, yes, I mean, Dzeko was offside. But the way he let Dzeko kind of cut in on him and then still beat him to the outside and take that shot... You should not be letting Edin Dzeko do anything like that to you. So I don't I, – maybe we dodged the bullet. You know, I was upset that we didn't get him. I was upset that we didn't sell Skriniar and didn't immediately buy Bremer. And who knows, maybe he would have done better in our system. That's, a, that's another thing that is possible. But from what I'm seeing, this is not the same player that won, you know, Defender of the Year. And I don't really think he has a lot – to work with there outside of really Chiesa and in Di Maria, which I mean, whatever issue he has with Vlaovic, that that's a, that may be something with, with Allegri, but you know, the, we should be beating this team every single time we play them. That That's how I feel. And I mean, outside of really Napoli, I, I call me arrogant, call me a, you know, a fair weather fan or a homebody, whatever you want to call it. I mean, we, in my opinion, we should not be losing to anybody except for maybe Napoli. And we beat them. We've already proven we can beat them. So it's like, why can't we do this all season? That's my frustration. But I'm happy with the result. I'm not trying to make this a downer of an episode. I'm very happy. But I just I want to see this week in and week out. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I've mentioned that on a previous podcast that I do think head-to-head we are the best team in Italy. Um, it's just the consistency that that we've lacked all year. But regardless, uh, we are coming off an absolutely dominant win where we're heading into the Coppa Italia final and then we're heading into a a huge showdown with Lazio this weekend. So why don't we jump into what we saw today uh, as far as the match is concerned. So where I was thinking of kicking off um, with this conversation, as we always do, is the lineup. Because I know that you know, before the match, um, you weren't too happy uh, with what you saw. I I have some thoughts on it, but um, why don't we go ahead and kick it over to you and sort of express why you posted the I am livid tweet. Yeah, it's because I saw, you know, Jekyll starting from the beginning. Uh, you know, Lukaku had such a great game against Empoli. In my opinion, a 9 out of 10 performance. Why... After what he went through in the last Juve game, why wouldn't you start him this game? Why would you not want to ride that high, ride that momentum, ride that maybe that anger he has towards him? You know, when Lukaku has something, 
go against him or something that you know gets under his skin, he takes that as an opportunity and uses it as ammunition for the next time he faces them. Case in point, two years ago, well, no, three years, was it the three? The last, the year we won the Scudetto when we played Milan, the whole incident with Lukaku, what happened the next time we played him? He had a double and he reminded Milan that Milan is his and that he this is his city. Can you imagine? Like, what? I guarantee, if he would have started from the beginning, he would have gotten on a probably onto the end that that cross from Barella that came in early, headed that in, ran to the corner and and yelled some shit at Cuadrado at everybody else and reminded them, I'm still the king of of the Serie A. Now, obviously, we know his gold numbers don't really show that, but um, I think that would have been a perfect opportunity for him. So, what did what has Jeco done? To, to earn a start in a game of this importance. It made no sense to me. Um, I didn't really mind too much of the rest. You know, I, I didn't mind Brozovic resting. I didn't mind, um, you know, DiMarco starting because we, I mean, listen, obviously he scored. Uh, and Gozins has been out of form too. And really, what are you going to do? Like start, you know, as much as I, I loathe seeing Dumfries start, if you start... Darmi on there, then you have to put D'Ambrosio as the center back, and I don't think they really wanted to do that, especially with uh, with Kostic being able, you know, he showed, you know, the last time we played Juve, just how he slippery of a player he can be, really. So it was probably the right call in that regard. But yeah, seeing Jekko is always going to bother me, and I, I the guy just doesn't really offer much. He he can't do more than like a half. So why is he starting? It just doesn't make sense. So I agree with you on the merit of Lukaku over Dzeko. The reason why I'm not like, the reason why I wasn't too upset about it is because I think I understand the logic behind the decision to go with Dzeko today, right? So if you look at- Explain it to me because I already don't believe you. (laughs) All right. So if you look at this week, right? Let's look at this seven day stretch from last Sunday to the Sunday that's upcoming. It's Empoli- on Sunday, uh, Juventus on Wednesday, Lazio on uh, you know this upcoming Sunday, right? So you've got three games in seven days. I don't think that Inzaghi believes that Lukaku has ninety minute two ninety minute matches in his legs um, over three games in seven days. I just don't think that he does. And if you look at the numbers, Empoli he went ninety minutes today. He went twenty two minutes. Likely against Lazio, he's going to go. He's going to start from the from the beginning and go like seventy five minutes, right? Um, so that's two that it gets him to that two ninety minute games in you know three matches, but he doesn't have the ability to do it for all three, right? So one of those games has to be a twenty minute, a twenty two minute game. And if you're talking about importance, like we started the podcast, or uh, you know talking about whether the Coppa Italia is that important. There's no doubt that for the future of the club, the results against Empoli and the results against Lazio are much more important than what happens against Juve today. That's the, that's the reality of the situation. That's why put it that way. I'll, I'll give it to you. That, that totally makes sense. I didn't see it that way, of course. Um, but yeah, go ahead. I you're right. No, I I would apply the same logic to what happened with Brozovic, right? Because Brozovic got Empoli 77 minutes today. He got 22 minutes, almost the exact same, the exact same as Lukaku. So I think he's approaching the rotation 
because we kind of have to. I mean, our schedule is, it's insane. It's insane. It is. Yeah, it is. So, and the other thing that kept coming to mind too is if you have to play, given the minutes that these players have to play in these three matches, if you have to play Lukaku at some point today, you have to play Jekyll at some point today, who would you rather have starting the match and who would you rather have finishing the match? Right, You don't really know what it's going to look like in the 70th minute. Are you going to be down? Are you going to need a goal? Do you have the lead? Whatever it is. Either way, in that situation, Lukaku is better to finish the match, in my opinion. So I understand why the decision was made. It Again, this would be a much different conversation if it came back to, to bite us. Right, It's sort of like, okay, you can, you can get it, uh, Simone, because it actually worked out for you, you know, if it didn't today, then we'd be having sort of a different discussion about it. Yeah, no, I mean, when you when you break it down that way, it definitely makes sense. Um, especially, like you said, with the the level of importance of the Lazio game, that is going to be huge for top four uh, for us, of course. So, I guess I'm okay with it, even though deep down I'm not. But I guess I am okay. With it. <laughs> if we want to see our best players play it's it's just it is what it is i mean i want yeah i want to see always i always want to see the best 11 on the field and i want to to be competitive on every front you know yeah but when you have depth of like ed and jack oak you know it kind of makes it hard to uh to get excited for rotations yeah so i'm looking at my notes from <laughs> this game and there were so many like actions that happened um, so many positive plays from Inter that it would be this would be a two-hour pod if we were to talk about all this. So why don't we approach the match by um, similar to how to, how we did it with Nima, where we talk through each phase of the uh, of the team and talk about their performances on a whole today, rather than going first half, second half. Um, so let's start with the back line. Onana, super safe performance from him. He was. There was a period in the first half where he kept going back and forth with Darmian and Barella. Like they were just sort of playing a keep away between themselves. I think it was in like the 19th <laughs> minute or something where he just looked so goddamn comfortable off the ball and all like on the ball. And all I could think was how uncomfortable Hondanovic would look like if he was asked to play like three simple passes back and forth with Darmian. Um, he did really well in crosses today too. That was something that really stood out to me. Like he was really strong coming out to get the ball. Um, again, you mentioned it. He wasn't really troubled today, but I thought um, I thought he was excellent, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, I think he's become my favorite player on the team. Uh, whenever he does anything... Listen, he's, he's got secure hands. He doesn't give up rebounds. He doesn't bobble the ball. Um, I think the only time I remember him doing that was like his first his game against uh, uh, what was it against Bayern? His first game where he had a ball go through his hands, you know, off a corner or across something like that. But since then, he's I mean, he is like a sound keeper for the most part. Uh, I don't, you know, yes, he he has a a howler against Salernitana, but that really, you know, that could happen to anybody. So I'm not, I'm not hanging on, you know, hanging up on that. He's just, he, I love him. I love him. You know how I feel about him. You know, I don't want him to be sold. You know, I don't want him to go anywhere. You know, I don't think anyone is, is good enough to replace him. So to the performance he had today, like I said, yeah, simple, you know, and I felt, 
I just feel so secure with him back there. And he's such a good vocal leader. And he's obviously so good with the ball at his feet. I think the only keeper that can really compete with him in that that sense, or who probably is, if not, you know, just as good or just as good, if not better than him, is is Manyan. So like this is a weapon. And I, I want us to be able to utilize it more and, and kind of be able to use him to kind of start um, breakouts. You know, I mean, you've, uh, one thing, one game that, that comes to mind is the game against uh, Barcelona at the Camp Nou where he, you know, played the ball out to Lautaro. Lautaro comes in and he's the one who crosses it to Gozins for that goal. I mean, that's all started by one, Onana, you know, having, you know, fantastic touch and accuracy with his passing, but even having the 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 mindset to even, you know, know to look up and, and, and figure out to, to, to start that break. So uh, he's such a weapon. I love him. Yeah, he does nothing wrong, in my opinion. And if we sell him, I'm probably going to jump off the Verrazano Bridge. So I'm going to say something that's going to infuriate you even more. But you know that the only reason he played today was Samir got a red card. <laughs> yeah, the only I reason. do know that. The I only reason. And look how good Reese and, looks. So secure. And you... You know that coasted that costed shot goes in. Goes in if yeah. it is Hanadovic. That was a beautiful, so, beautiful stretch. It really was. It was literally a fingertip stretch, but he was his hands were strong enough to actually still get it around the post. Honda doesn't get there. That's in goal one one. We're in stoppage time right now. We're probably going to penalties because you know how safe they would have played it. So yeah, and Hanadovic in penalties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he does get the Coppa Italia final start like Mima thinks he is. Um, I just I just hope not. I just but Anyway, uh, so looking at the defense today, um, Darmiana, Cerbi, Bastoni, which is, is our, our top-line defense, I thought everybody looked really good. The only things that really stood out to me were um Darmian and Bastoni as uh forward surging center backs um like wing sort of wing center backs when they push up um into the final third every time Bastoni does it there was one you know sequence where he combined with Di Marco quickly um on the left hand side and in the first half and just burst into the final third to have a center back with the level of quality that Darmian and Bastoni have with the ball at their feet with the crosses that they can deliver um you know how comfortable they are just bringing the ball up 20 30 yards it really is a game changer uh for this club when both of them are playing you know with confidence and uh in form you know I've I was joking around with one of my buddies about Bastoni today I feel like ever since she's switched from wearing black cleats to his white or yellow cleats he's been more of a confident baller that's just a myth me and my buddies had like since since high school that if you have the confidence to wear white cleats you have the confidence to do anything um and maybe it's yellow it looked white but then at some points it looked yellow so i couldn't really tell but regardless ever since he switched from his black cleats he feel he looks like a different player and, and like his confidence level is is back so I don't think that's 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 my own reasoning behind it. Um, and yeah, with Darmian, I mean, what more can we really say about this guy? He really is like an unsung hero. I feel like he never gets the appreciation or respect that he deserves. Um, and that's not just from, you know, I'm not just saying that, but like for me too, like he does, he doesn't do 
anything great, but he does everything good. And he just is, you know, he's he's just a professional. He really is. And I would argue that he's been our defender of the year. I mean, really, like, it's not like he really has much to go up against if you really think about it. But the guy has just been so, so secure for us and so sound in possession, so sound. Like, he... He knows when to push up. He knows when to sit back. He knows like how to mark his man, how to not lose. Lo- he never loses anybody behind him. Like, and if he does, he has, you know, he doesn't have the pace, but he has the, the sense of wh- when to recover, how to recover, what angle to take to not commit a foul in the box. I mean, I love him. Um, I'm glad he has extended. And I mean, he's such a good squad depth rotation player. And he is good enough that if in a pinch, he is good enough to start, so I'm I'm happy with the two of them. Yeah, we as a team suffered our period of of uh, negative performances at, right after Skriniar went down with his injury, but Darmian was never the problem with the team. He was able to come in seamlessly for Skriniar. It just so happened that it coincided with his absence. But you're right, Darmian was never a problem. They had one. One moment between them where Darmian was dispossessed uh, or Darmian had played it to Acerbi and Acerbi was dispossessed and Locatelli was able to, to get a shot off on uh, Onana, but your boy was able to corral it pretty easily. Let's move to the real stars of the show today. The midfield absolutely kicked the living shit out of Juve today. That is why we won this game. All three of them Hakam, Barella, and Mickey were dominant. Dominant. Barella, Barella was the man of the match for the first half. I thought Hakan and Mickey, with the way that they intercepted the ball and pressed really, really well in the second half, like Mickey was Mickey was so important for our ball retention. Like, did not give the ball away too much, was sound defensively. I mean I can talk all day about the the shifts that these guys put in tonight. Absolutely world class from uh, from our midfield. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I said in the beginning how I just feel like we were such a level above them in that in that part of the pitch, and how just all three of them, yeah, they were all they were all like you said, influential in their own ways. But I love definitely was the man of the match in the first half. I mean, his crossing, his pass to to Di Marco, like. If you look at that play too again, and I know people are going to be like, oh my God, here he goes again with Barella. But man, you look at the way he positions himself to receive the pass. He already knows where he wants to flick it and he doesn't even really touch it. He just kind of opens up and, and sends it right through to Di Marco to, to release him for the goal. I mean, not many guys can do that. Not many guys have the sense to do that. You know, I mean, you could think about guys from, from the way back with... Iniesta or obviously Pirlo, who's one of my favorites of all time, but like he has that vision. He has that in his arsenal. You know, he he's just he really is a tutucampista, like Nima said last week. And there's not a thing in my opinion that he can't do. Um if he wants to rip a shot, he has the ability to put it in from 30 yards out. He has the ability to play a perfect cross. He has the ability to to send in a, a perfect through ball. I mean, he is, in my opinion, the the most complete midfielder in in Europe. I mean, there are other ones who are better in certain aspects, but in my opinion, in terms of total completion, and maybe Milinkovic Savic, you could maybe put ahead of him. Maybe when, although this year he's been good, but I feel like he hasn't been 
what he was. Um, yeah, I mean, I Mickey, I was upset, not upset that he started. I was upset he played ninety, but probably for the same reason that you know we, I was uh, we we rested Brozovic is so that he these guys are saved for for the game against Lazio. So it's uh, I mean, totally dominating performance. I wish in the second half Mickey would have maybe come out a little soon or a little bit after that ball he didn't play to to Lukaku where it could have released him and we probably could have gone up two two zero. But you know what? Outside of no mistakes from him and Hakan, you know, what can you say about Hakan? So the guy's, he's been probably our most consistent midfielder all season, if you really think about it. So they, so I felt like all three of the guys had these almost like Joga Bonito moments during the game. In the first half, Barella had his little rainbow over, I forget which defender, but just a perfect touch over the defender. um, And he eventually got fouled. Uh, in the second half, Hakan played this like pull back and then chip over the top perfectly into the path of Dumfries um, to take it down the sideline. It was such a, a sweet, pretty move. Um, there was a moment of sheer panic on my part with Barella, who in the 54th minute sort of pulled up with that hamstring and my my heart dropped into my stomach. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I saw that, and I'm like, "There goes the season. Forget it. I don't even want to go to like let them equalize, let them win. <laughs> I'm done. I I need him, you know, rested. To me, he is he's the engine. So obviously, it looked like it may have just been a little tweak, um, maybe a Charlie horse or something, and he was able to like walk it off because he he looked fine the rest of the game, and then when he came off, he you know appeared to assure the coaches and assure the staff that that he's fine. So. Um, yeah, it just could have been muscle fatigue, could have just been maybe dehydration, whatever, you know, something like that, that, that led to that. But yeah, definitely a scary moment. Um, I was like, I was blowing up the group chat about, you know, great, like we're going to lose now, but I was out, but that's just the, the diva in me, I guess, uh, you know, panicking right away with him. So glad he's okay. Yeah. He kept. He was able to keep playing um, after that for about ten minutes, but he did come off in the sixty seventh for Brozovic, um, a player that I don't know how effective he's been coming off the bench, and he started that way today in those first few minutes. I think he's get, he's getting into this uh, mode of like taking too many unnecessary risks with the ball sometimes like you know I, I know you've talked about this a lot the way he turns um to to keep possession of the ball but sometimes he turns into a man sometimes his passes are super risky but after a shaky first 10 minutes then towards the end of the game um he really grew into it and there were points where we were possessing the ball with the last five minutes where he was playing perfect balls over for Mikitarian to um, to possess, like, you know, playing through balls, uh, doing much better in that respect. So I expect him um, to play from the first minute against uh, Lazio, given that Chalanoglu ended up getting 82 minutes today. And then, yeah, it looks like um, he picked up a muscle knock, uh, Chalanoglu. I was reading that. Uh, Media set reported it. So... We'll see if he'll be available for Sunday. Um, a little concerning in that regard, of course. But if yeah, I mean, if, if as long as we're able to have one of our <laughs> G stars available, that that's good. Um, and I guess that means that uh, Aslani or Gagliardini will be the first guy off the bench for the midfield. But it's um, 
it's definitely you know a little cause for concern. I hope it's nothing too serious with uh, with Hakan because uh, we know how important you know the Champions League is going to be coming up. So we, we, I would like to be able to have a, a, a healthy eleven going into those games. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, seeing Mediaset saying uh, a doctor, which was the same injury that he previously had. So let's hope that it's nothing too crazy. Um, because obviously you would love to see him in there against Lazio. All right. Uh, and then, of course, Gagliardini did make his seven-minute cameo, a nine-minute cameo, whatever oh, it was. Bobby, Bobby Gagliardini. Bobby Gagliardini. You know, it confuses me every time Bonetti says something about Gagliardini. Like, he used to say... It makes me think that he doesn't really watch the games because... He used to say when Gagliardini would come in, oh, now Gagliardini is going to slot right in front of the defense. No, he he never plays at Agista ever. He's always Metzala, number one. And number two, today he said this is a common tactic from Inzaghi to put Gagliardini in late in games. Has Gagliardini played more than seven games this season? I mean, he's barely... Barely yeah, played. He. Um, this is not a, a card that Inzaghi pulls very often. It's just right. Yeah, I, I don't know what uh, I don't know what Bonetti's saying. Poor guy. I mean, he, he's obviously a Milanista. If he thinks that these guys are are coming in and playing valuable minutes for for Inter, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know what it had to do. Why he says the things he says sometimes about certain players. You know, sometimes it's better not to speak if you don't really know what it is that you're you're talking about there but i mean this is kind of what we expect from paramount you know i mean i i heard grella say things in halftime that i was just like stop like you know he was calling for you know inzaghi should have been playing gozens all season and then who knows what level of gozens we'd have right now and i'm like buddy like first of all the guy's been hurt he's been in and out he's had moments he's had stinkers like have you watched a minute of of an inter game i i, I just I don't know. He he seems to have a problem with DiMarco. I don't know if DiMarco stole his girl. I, I, I mean, I don't I don't get it. But you know, Grello he never has anything nice. He, I mean, he he was saying last year he wanted Gozins to be starting over Perisic, even with the form that Perisic was in. So I mean, I, I just I don't know. If th- this is just same thing, different day. You know, with with Paramount Plus, just trash uh, insights and whatever. Yeah, I don't think the coverage is particularly good on a whole but when it is around the inter it seems it seems like there's some sort of below yeah like there there seems to be this weird like negativity around inter and and you know don't don't mistake that for me saying by any means inter's had a great season but they're i mean every time they step on the field they, they can beat any team they play against so i thought that was strange um in terms of the forwards tonight Lautaro for me was was the man of the match. I thought he, you know, obviously he didn't get his name on the score sheet, but he his closing down and his work rate today, um, while wearing that captain's armband, was really, really, really terrific. I thought he did very well in in terms of his control and actually progressing the ball up the field. Um, he looked very tidy today. There, I, I didn't have any moments of like. Come on, Lautaro. Except for you know maybe one missed chance, but that really felt more yeah, like, like like he three could... missed chances, in my opinion. The Dumfries cross, he maybe could have accelerated towards that, it a little I bit quickly. That one, that one I didn't even think about. I'm talking about like the shot that he missed just wide, 
the shot that he took with his left foot and he put right into Perrin, it, in my opinion, he should have tried to lay that off or, or cut it back and try to pass it, set someone else up. And I forgot which which other shot. There was the early chance that Jekyll uh, was the one who you know ended up missing it, but Lautaro did have some sort of play oh, on that, it. Oh, well, that one, I forgot. Yeah, you remind, yes, that one too. And I'm thinking about the one that he... He set up and he volleyed with his left foot and he yes. played with a crossbar. Like that was the one DiMarco I, played played him and it was on the edge of the box. Yeah, I need you to put that on goal. I mean, I'm. It's just the same thing with Lautaro. Listen, I do think that he was influential in every other aspect of the game. It's just the finishing. I expect my forward to be able to finish a chance. Like, why is it that that guys like like. Mickey Tardy and put put in better chance. Like honestly, to me, if that's Chesney, that's probably in. But Perrin's been playing out of his mind. Fantastic save. Like I can't really blame Mickey. Like what am I gonna do? He would have had to literally maybe open up and try to really place it into the right side of the net or the well his right the you know Perrin's left to really get it in the corner. Like I mean, he got power on it. That's just a fantastic save. So would would Lautaro have been able to do anything better? I don't know. He might have even just, you know, scuffed it for whatever for whatever reason, but there's um I don't want to take away from his performance. I'm just nitpicking now. I think it's just because I wanted more than one goal really against them at that point, but well, maybe but, maybe me thinking it was one of his better performances despite all those missed chances is sort of more indicative of how tough it's been for him um lately except for the last couple of games but yeah i thought he put in an excellent shift um you know defensively and maybe he would have got on the score sheet on a different day but i digress jeko pretty much nothing in the first half uh except miss chances and miscontrolled balls and miss missed passes yeah, and so missed that was a that was a really tough watch um, for the first forty five minutes, and then the second half he was much better. Had he not been offside for that goal he scored, that was an incredible finish, incredible finish. And he turned Bremer inside out. And, and listen, Bremer doesn't know that he's offside; like he's playing that straight up, yeah. right? So he skinned him and put in a, a crazy. It's just these moments of. But, but see, I thought like. When he got behind him like that and he was able to get, I'm like, there's no way he was onside. I mean, I didn't see it, obviously, from that the angle they showed on Paramount. But then when he finished, like, oh, sick. Wow, like, wow, fantastic goal. And then the flag goes up, obviously, after the fact. But it's like, okay, all right, makes sense. Because I was like, there's no way he had the pace to get past him like that. So, I mean, yes, phenomenal finish, especially to, to hit the inside of the post and put it in. That's, I mean... It's from that angle. That's really tough. So yeah, hats off to you, Jekyll. Too bad you are slower than molasses, and you were just you know off clearly offside. It wasn't even like a question, but yeah. He also there was one like egregious missed pass to Dumfries um, down the line in the first half. Um, but the subs came on Lukaku. You know, not much to do uh, to be honest, and can't say you could say the same for Korea. Like it wasn't really. I think this Thomas might give them, uh, you know, a couple, couple NAs. Unable to to rate those two for their performances today. They just didn't have a ton of Thomas time. Is probably going to give him a five and a half or a six because he just, you know, he throws out that number willy nilly. So combined uh, together, Thomas, Thomas, like Thomas I got to give you, 
I gotta give you a hard time every time, bro. Just because of the Dumfries. <laughs> that time you gave me six. So I'll, I'll never let you live that down. Yeah, that it should be interesting what they get. But for me, it's they didn't really. There was one where I guess Lukaku played in Korea, but Korea dribbled right into the the defender, which seems to be <laughs> it seems to be his strategy. I don't know why he does these dribbles where he really wants to go through the defender as opposed to around them, and they almost universally never ever ever work. Um, but again, didn't have much of a say on this match. Inzaghi, well done. I mean. We're into the final of another cup. This is what you do. You win these one-off cup matches. Um, knock on wood, at least up until this point. You've been um, amazing at doing so. The team looked great um, at, at points during the game, especially the midfield. So hats off to you, Simone. Um, Marotta, before the game, mentioned uh, you know Gravina, the FIGC president, and... Um, was basically praising him, which I guess is a, a little cast, uh, ass-kissing from our general manager, which when you don't have much to do but sit on your hands because you don't have a budget approved or anything like that, I guess that's all you can do. Uh, anything else about this game that uh, that you want to get into? No, not really. I mean, we kind of pretty much covered everything with these guys and – Listen, great team win. You know, I'm, I'm glad that they were able to control it. I feel like, like I said in the beginning, there was nothing to, to, to worry about with this. So hopefully we can uh, bring it home and, and get a, get another trophy in the cabinet for the boys. What's your confidence level heading into Lazio after this victory? I'm going to go... I'm sorry for the, the awkward silence. I was thinking of a number, but I'm going to go... I'm, I'm about like a... I'm about like an eight out of ten in confidence. Feeling to good. be honest, feeling I'm feeling real really good. Uh, I'm really. I I mean, Lazio don't don't really scare me. Like they're another team that I don't think we should have ever lost to. Um, I don't I don't love their defense. Although Romagnoli has been fantastic all season, I definitely don't fear their midfield outside of SMS and their forwards. I mean, that's the only thing they can do is if if they can beat us with pace and all. And and maybe Sadi will get these guys to do what. Um, what they did to us in the first leg, which is kind of sit back, absorb the pressure, and then hit us on the counter because that's where they did hit us was in space and stuff. So with Felipe Anderson, Pedro, and and uh, Zacani, it it might be a little interesting there. But I, I do think that if we play to our potential, we should be able to beat them, no problem. I'm I'm confident of a I'll say a two nil win. So there's. The co- what I get confidence from is the fact that we're playing at the San Siro, which is like if this game was in in Rome, I'd feel much different about it. Um, that that would be a tough away match late in the season. But I'll give you this little nugget because I know you've got an upcoming appearance on uh, a Lazio pod that you can talk about to our listeners after. But um, I think Roma have outperf- uh, sorry Lazio have outperformed their XG by like seven or. 10 goals like some outrageous number and neither has underperformed that but their xg by almost the same thing so these teams in the Wait, standings so hold on they've had they've outperformed their xg by 10 goals i'll send you uh i'll send you the uh the statistics after the pod but yeah because that's that's insane yeah so if you right. look at it this team is i don't know how many points apart like maybe 11 points apart in reality they should be much 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 closer in the standings um but 
Lazio has had some luck this year that Inter has most assuredly not had. Yeah, we might be the most cursed team in Serie A history. Like, I can't think of a team that gets screwed more often than Inter. And whether it's the XG, whether it's unfortunate bounces, whether it's missed opportunities, I mean, yeah, it's it hasn't been very kind to us. And maybe with the way games have been going for us lately, maybe, you know, the, the cultural gods are, are showing a little bit of a favor for our, our poor... Our poor, miserable club. <laughs> oh, you just muted yourself, bud. That's how that's how mad Alessandro Oops. was. He's like, you know, I'm just going to mute myself. <laughs> I was looking for XG, that. I don't even care. I was looking for that stat. I got to send it to you. Um, but yeah, so obviously a huge game coming up on Sunday. Johnny, do you want to get into what you've got going on in terms of uh, appearances um, on another podcast? And then, of course, what our plan is for post-Lazio. Yeah, so um, for those of you who know, like Sean McIntosh lives in, lives in Charlotte where I live, and, and he's a Lazio fan, and he works for Charlotte FC. Um, but we've become, you know, pretty close since, since he moved here and, and kind of gotten, you know, we, we met through the, the, the Serie A community on, on Twitter. Uh, but he has a Lazio podcast, a Lazio YouTube channel called Lazio World. Um, so I'll be on there tomorrow at 2 p.m. Um, to do a little, I guess, pre-match, you know, breakdown. And we'll talk about that. And we'll, he, I think he wants to do it as like a, a YouTube live. So if you do have any questions or you want to, you know, tune in, obviously I'll, I'll tweet out the channel once, once it does go live and, um, you know, you can send questions. He does want to have it kind of like an open forum type thing where we can kind of talk and, and break down things from the match and, and kind of preview it. Uh, and then post Lazio match, uh, Sean will be joining us on the interviews pod to talk about the match. Hopefully, you know, he'll be in a somber mood, you know, and, and, and be, you know, not too happy with the results. <laughs> Uh, and we'll be able to keep this high going that we have here. It's it's very nice that we've been able to to have three episodes in a row where we can you know be be positive and, and kind of come in here and, and be lighthearted. And I feel like when yeah when things are going well, it makes it a lot easier and and much more exciting to get on here and be able to talk together. So yeah, let's hope that uh Sunday will be good for us as well. Could have a little there'll, there'll be some depression, but hopefully from his side and, and not hopefully ours. His side, yeah, exactly. Uh, here's the uh, the numbers that you can take and and bring to this pod. Inter's XG fifty six. They're actual fifty six goals. Uh, you can point out many different spots during the season where there's you can insert six goals, and all of a sudden we have ten more points. Lazio's XG thirty nine. Their actual 48. That's insane. Nine more goals than they're expected. That is a massive, massive, massive disparity. Yeah, that's no, that's not right. See, there's something in the water. There's something. The ball, the the grass. (laughs) There's something going on here. Wild. So... Uh, we will be seeing you guys on Sunday. Thank you for joining us for our post-match recap of Inter Juventus. We're through to the final. Coppa Italia, Cremonese or Fiorentina? Who's it going to be? I think we know. Doesn't matter because we're winning either way. <laughs> Let's get more Ita- uh... Italiano ball. <laughs> That's what's happening with that guy. So <clears throat> Let's get the uh, 
the cup merchant uh, nickname going because we can steal some this year. All right, guys. In the words of the great Roberto Scarpini, Forza Ragazzi, Forza Ragazzi, Forza Ragazzi. Oh, my God.